Cavalcade of America, sponsored by DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry, presents Lloyd Nolan and Warner Baxter in The Wise Mad General. The armed forces find wartime jobs for most of DuPont's better things for better living. But rayon perhaps heads the list for versatility of uses. Rayon yarn goes into summer uniforms and dozens of other items of clothing. High tenacity rayon yarn is a must in tires for trucks and bombers. But perhaps the most spectacular use of rayon is in parachutes for fragmentation bombs. These parachutes delay impact just long enough to enable the low-flying bomber to make a getaway from the bomb's detonation. Truly a versatile, satisfactory fiber, rayon, whether it's in a dress or a parachute. Tonight with Warner Baxter and Lloyd Nolan as our stars, Cavalcade presents an almost forgotten page from our country's ever-living past to remind America that wars are won and lost and on the home front as well as on the battlefield. Our play is the story of how America all but lost her war for independence. Not for lack of brave soldiers or wise generals, but because those at home grew tired, indifferent, and failed the men at the front when their need was greatest. Based on Carl Van Doren's historical bestseller, Mutiny in January, tonight's play under the title The Wise Mad General stars Lloyd Nolan as Sergeant David Herbert and Warner Baxter as Brigadier General Mad Anthony Wayne on The Cavalcade of America. Memorandum From the American soldiers of the Pennsylvania line In the fifth year of the War of the Revolution 1781 Two Americans on the home front In the second year of the Global War 1943 You Americans who will never carry a gun or ride a tank or guide a plane, you are the trustees of the freedom we won. It's yours to have or lose. Time is short. Our story is your story. It begins in the last days of the year 1780. It's cold, bone cracking cold at Mount Kimball in Morris County, the state of New Jersey, where the men of the Pennsylvania line are quartered for the winter. Eleven regiments of Pennsylvanians under command of Brigadier General Anthony Wayne are lodged in the damp, dismal log huts. There were doubts in the minds of these men, distrust, and in their hearts was temptation. Thinking of the hardships of loved ones at home, that was bad enough. But when Ann came down to the encampment from the farm to plead with me, that was worse. David, listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying. Ann, why did you come so far in the bite of winter? Come home with me, David. And the farm. How could you leave it? There's nothing to hold me. The bare earth will keep. It was your work while I was at the wars. I've been ill, David, for many weeks. There was no one to help me. I had nothing to pay. <laughs> I haven't held a bit of hard money in months. I know much food by the looks of you. Mm. 
come home with me. I'm a soldier, Anne. This is our war. So I've heard, time and again. War has a different face in Philadelphia. Plump war-prosperous merchants, war-created gentlemen and their wives and daughters flaunting their silken riches. Well, there must be men at home to supply the war. Aye, but not to profit by the war. Where is the food, the money, the clothes they promised you? And we've talked about these things so many times. And have the words warmed and fed you? I shiver and shake. You're fools, you soldiers, fools. We shall no longer petition and cringe. Talk, talk, talk. You'll still be hungry, crows. Other men have gone. Come home with me. No, Anne. And I dearly love you. But my allegiance is here. The men of the Pennsylvania line are through talking. Now we want it proven. Whom do we fight for? Who stands with us? And how will you know, David? How will you know? Because the common men have chosen a committee to find out. And me to lead it. Is it done, finally? Aye. It was agreed on but a quarter hour ago. Is it still thirst and hunger and our haunches in the wind? That is done with. Tonight the sergeants meet. This may be life or death for us. Life or death, go or stay, we've chosen our committee. We and the sergeants are one. When do they meet? The hour after sundown. Good, good. And then to waiting. Uh, we shall be soldiers and men again, not slaves. See that the word is passed to all the men of the line. Tonight the sergeants meet. Tonight. Tonight the sergeants meet. Tonight, Tonight the sergeants meet. Gentlemen, General Anthony Wayne. That is, gentlemen. Gentlemen, the time for warning is past. The time for high-sounding but empty promises to the men is over. Captain Benton, when does the board of sergeants meet? Within the hour, General. And we shall know what they plan before the night is out. We wait only the word from you, sir. Word for what, Colonel? To place every one of the 11 sergeants under arrest. On what charge? That they plot disaffection, sir. Perhaps. Perhaps, Colonel, but... Let us remember that the sergeants were elected to speak for the men of the line. As a committee, they have a right to meet and present their demands. They, they just follow the tra tradition of the American colonies, that's all. Sir, if we cannot meet the demands of the men, they may join the enemy in New York. Captain Benton, our cause has walked over that tight rope many times in these five years of war. You recall West Point, Massachusetts, Connecticut? The threat passed in those places. It may come down on us here, sir. Enemy agents have spread handbills through the camp. The men have promised forgiveness, food, money, and clothes if they desert and join with them. We must take immediate measures. I prefer to believe that our men are loyal. Uh, what measures do you suggest, Colonel Butler? Ball and powder will quickly dissuade these men. Uh, have we so much forgotten our cause that we can speak of shooting down our own men? Do we no longer oppose the practices of autocratic Europe where shooting, hanging, and flogging are the answers of authority to the just demands of citizens? Your pardon, sir. But if the line rebels... Our citizenry will hold you at fault. True, true. They need a scapegoat. But, gentlemen, the real fault in this matter is with those very citizens at home. They have forgotten that this war is also theirs. In the past 46 weeks, the Pennsylvania line has been reduced to dry bread and beef for our food, the cold water for our drink, old and worn-out coats, padded linen, overalls. The only protection of our soldiers against the winter's piercing cold, drifting snows, and chilling sleets. These men have now served their country for, for nearly five years. Poorly clothed, badly fed, worse paid. Why, they've not seen a dollar in the way of pay for near 12 months. <laughs> I marvel constantly at the patience and faith and endurance of our soldiers. Yes, Lieutenant. Sir, the sergeants are assembled at the 1st hut of the 5th Regiment. 
Guards have been placed about. Any order, sir? Only one at this moment. Patience. discussion to this moment. These will be our demands, that all monies and bounties owing to us be paid over, or that immediate provisions be made for same. In hard money, Davy, not the shop worthless printed stuff. Aye, that'll be stated, Maloney. Go on, Davy. That all men who enlisted for three years be mustered out of the line to go to their homes or to re-enlist in the line as they may choose, and that we be supplies regularly with the food and clothes necessary to keep ourselves as men and soldiers. These are our demands. Are we all agreed? Aye. Aye. I should like to speak on that point. Sergeant Cooper, the men of the 8th Regiment hold that if our demands are not met, we go with the enemy. Aye, if we can do no better. No. They promise us pardon, money, and clothes. Men. Men. Now, what we are about to do is not of our own wishing or making. We've given up our homes, our farms, our families. And we've received nothing in return but promises. I say that from now on, we must march on those at home who promised us and demand that they make good their bargain. We'll be called traitors. Troops will be set against us. The men of the Continental Army will stand with us. We are not traitors. We're lo- loyal soldiers asking our promised rights. We're not Arnold's. Sergeants. Sergeants, I speak for joining with the enemy. What have we to gain by sitting here starving in these cold, filthy huts? What are we going to do? It goes on like that for nearly three hours. One side and then the other. Pro and con. Then at last there is agreement. Go on, Dave, go on. As, uh, as agreed upon, the firing of the rocket will signal the men to assemble on the parade ground. The men to carry their arms, Sergeant Herbert? Aye, aye, all arms and field pieces are to be taken. But the men are to march peacefully and in good order. No man is to fire unless fired upon. We're not making war on our officers or our fellow soldiers. Our men have no food or money to buy it. How shall they be provisioned? I propose that we ask for food from the farmers along our line of march. They'll stand by us. But no man is to steal or force provision from these citizens. We must not make an enemy of one of them. It is now shortly after nine o'clock. The night is cold and moonless. General Wayne is waiting for our decision. Yes, Lieutenant. The rocket, General. The rocket's just been fired. The men are assembling on the parade ground. Gentlemen, it is here. It's here. Lieutenant. Aye, General. Go to the parade ground immediately. Order all commissioned officers there not to fire on the men or in any manner try to hold them. Yes, sir. General, our officers are shooting at the men. Of course. Of course. General. Wait, wait. All is quiet now. Our troops show better judgment than my officers. Wait. Listen. The men are marching off. Captain Batman. I see. Have three horses brought here immediately. I see. Gentlemen, in less than a half an hour, those men will reach the forks in the road leading from Mount Kemble. If they take the right fort, they go to prisons, to Trenton, and finally to Philadelphia to present their demands before the Congress and the Pennsylvania Council. The left fork leads to Elizabethtown. That is the road to New York and the enemy. Colonel Butler? Yes, sir. Colonel Stewart, ride with me. Those men must not take the Elizabethtown road. If it means my life, they must not march toward the enemy. Company! Who is empowered to speak for these men? If it pleases the general, the board of sergeants speaks for them. Is there no one man? The board has commissioned me to speak in the presence of these two sergeants. Your name, sergeant? 
Herbert of the 5th. Williams of the 1st. Maloney of the 11th. Thank you. These uh, gentlemen are Colonels Butler and Stewart. What do you wish with us, General? You would order the men back to the camp. Your pardon, sir, but the men of the Pennsylvania line have bound themselves to march off. March we shall. Are you uh, aware of the consequences? We are, sir. Shoot him down! Shoot him down! Quiet! Quiet! General Wayne, our men are fierce with their great weariness. We are far to march. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There is still time to lead these men back to camp. We march as we have planned. Our business is no longer with you, General. Sergeant, if you are determined to lead your men to Elizabethtown, you'll have to shoot us to clear the road. Sir, we are burdened enough as we are. Drummer! Hi, Sergeant! Strike up! General! General! The men are taking the road to the right. The Princeton Road. Hi, Colonel. They are still our men and loyal. On Wednesday, the 3rd of January, 1781, the Pennsylvania line made camp at Princeton. General Wayne and his staff arrived. An orderly line of pickets and guards separated the men from their offices and the townspeople and officials. The demands of the men had been sent by Wayne to the Honorable Joseph Reed, President of the Supreme Executive Council of Pennsylvania. It is now the evening of Saturday, January 6th. Jeremy, our drummer boy, is on watch outside the tent. Leave it here, lad. Who are you? Quietly, lad. Quietly. What do you seek? We bear a message, lad. Take us to the commanding officer. Who are you? Time runs short, lad, and tongues run long. Take us to your commanding officer. Yes, what is it? We bear important matter, Sergeant Herbert. Is the enemy on the way, Mr. Mason? No, Sergeant. I bear this paper from Sir Henry Clinton. Sir Henry Clinton? Yes, in command of His Majesty's forces. A message to the sergeant from Sir Henry Clinton with an honorable proposal. You are listening to The Cavalcade of America, sponsored by DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry, presenting The Wise Mad General, a story of the war which America almost lost because the people on the home front forgot that the war was also theirs. Our play stars Warner Baxter as General Mad Anthony Wayne and Lloyd Nolan as Sergeant Herbert. 2,000 Continental soldiers still loyal to the cause of freedom, but desperate from hunger, penniless, half-clothed, are marching toward Philadelphia to present their grievances to Congress. As our play continues, an emissary of the enemy has just brought a message to Sergeant Herbert, the leader of the sergeants. Well, it's just signed by Sir Henry himself, all right. Go ahead, Sergeant. Read it. By messenger, an honorable proposal. Pennsylvania troops have been defrauded of their pay, clothing, and provision. Well, that's true, isn't it, Jeremy? Aye, Sergeant. And if you lay down your arms and return to your true allegiance, you will be pardoned and paid the money due from Congress without expectation of military servants, except it be voluntary. Well... It's a very handsome proposal, Mr. Mason. Aye. You should be suitably rewarded, but unfortunately... Oh, we ask nothing, Sergeant. Our pay awaits us in New York. Oh, that's a pity. Why, sir? Because you'll never turn return to claim it. The crate. 
Hold the guard and secure these men. The sergeant, we come as friends to your men. Rick, take these men prisoner. Jeremy, route out the sergeants to assemble here at once. So, Sergeant Herbert, you've been urged and flattered to join with the enemy. This paper speaks for itself, General Wayne. Aye, Sergeant. Why have you and Sergeant Maloney brought them here to me? To prove our loyalty, sir. The will of the Board of Sergeants. There's a sword over our heads, eh? <laughs> if your demands are not met with, you join with the enemy? It's strange, sir, that, that we should have more faith in you and Mr. Reed than you have in us. Sergeant, you have led the men of the line into an action that many call treason. Our misery and poverty and bareness forced us. But not to treason, General. We are not and never will be Arnold's. Those are merely words, Sergeant. Time will prove us. What if the enemy marches even tomorrow into New Jersey? Then we shall oppose them at every expense of our blood. Well spoken, Sergeant. Well and truly meant, General. Now about these two prisoners. What does the Board of Sergeants propose? We turn them over to you and the Pennsylvania Council, sir, to be dealt with as spies and emissaries of the enemy. Sergeants, President Reed of the Council is proceeding to Trenton to discuss your terms. Tonight's matter will speak in your favor. In recognition of your loyalty and bringing these men here, I promise you, in the name of President Reed and the Council, 100 gold guineas for the regiment. Thank you, General, but that was not our purpose in coming here. What is it, Sergeant Maloney? Well, as you know, sir, the board has been promised an early meeting to consider our demands. The men grow restive. How much longer must we wait? Tell the sergeants and the men that at daybreak I go to meet with President Reed. <laughs> General Wayne, forgive my saying so, but your solicitude for these, these mutineers is remarkable. Mr. Reed, I am a soldier. I am aware of what these men have done, but uh, I'm also aware, and General Washington concurs, that, that these men have been moved to act after their grievances had gone to extremities that uh, it would not be borne in any army. Time is short, General. There are several pressing matters to settle. First... The hundred guineas you promised for turning over the spies. Do you disapprove, Mr. Reed? We're a trifle too fast in promising so large a reward. I gave those men my word, sir. I cannot and will not authorize this sum. It's too large. Our finances, my dear General, do not admit. What word shall I give the sergeants? I shall deal with these men myself, in my own way. Mm -hmm. When may the men expect you at Princeton, sir? I do not propose to go to Princeton. It would be more fitting to have them come to me here in Trenton. Should they refuse to come, sir? Tell them there is food stored here for them. That ample clothing is now on the way from Philadelphia. That will fetch them. Oh. I shall convey this information. Uh, just one more item, General. It might speed our negotiations if you were not present here. Sir, my orders from General Washington are to keep with my men. I shall do nothing other... on the tenth day. The men of the Pennsylvania line were in Trenton. The board of sergeants had met with President Reed and then reported to the men. This morning they hanged the spies we took to. What did the gold guineas that were promised? Well, the board of sergeants has agreed not to ask for the reward. Because we turned the spies over to General Wayne for the love of our country, not for gold. Reed's tongue wheeled us out of our gold. Sergeant! What is it, soldier? I'm with the board on this matter, but it's small. 
What about money? I suppose our terms of enlistment. Now, these terms of uh, and these matters have not yet been agreed on by the board satisfactory. Do we stay here or do we march again? The board of sergeants is for staying. For how long, sergeant? Until the board decides that the men of the Pennsylvania line can gain more by going. The war went on. The days peeled off and drifted away. Some money finally arrived and more was promised. Some clothing was distributed, but more was needed. Enlistments were reviewed and adjusted. Now, nearing the end of the 15th day, the day of cold and rain and sleet, the board of sergeants meets. Soldiers, members of this board, our work is now almost done. Sergeant Herbert, are you content with the settlement? Well, many of our terms have been met. And for the rest, we have promised. At the start, you were one of the strongest. Have you cooled down so quick? I am as much concerned regarding the needs of the line as you are, Sergeant Maloney, or you, Green, or you, Cooper. Then why do you speak for those who say put an end to it? Is it because they are in the majority? Only because I know that now the soldiers of the other colonies have nothing more or better than we. And more, more. Without treachery or treason, we stood together as free men before those in authority and asked for address of our grievances. We've awakened the citizens to the war. Now we have a... Yes, what is it, man? Come forward. Orders have come from General Washington to General Wayne. The Pennsylvania line is needed in Virginia. To join with the troops under Lafayette, it must be done at once. Has the line been told? Aye, the men gathered to hear the board's decision. I thank you, soldier. Good day. Sergeants. Sergeants of the Pennsylvania line. Five years ago, we came together for freedom. Now, that freedom means life to us. But it is not ours yet, and it will not be ours unless we stand together. Many of us may never live to see that freedom, but it will come. And when it does, those generations who will be born to it may remember that freedom does not come by wishing, but is hard fought for and dearly bought. Until a moment ago, we were forgetting the war. Now it is once more with us. The men are waiting for our word. Shall we march and fight again for freedom? Let each member of this board speak for himself. I say march. Aye. And as much as the men of the Pennsylvania line have won substantial agreement to a majority of their demands, and inasmuch as, out of loyalty and devotion to our common cause, they have of their own free will foregone several additional demands, which were nevertheless considered by me and by my officers as clearly justified and right. I therefore, as Brigadier General of the Pennsylvania Line Commanding, do hereby order that no man is to be brought to trial or censor for what has happened on or since New Year's Day, the year of our Lord, 1781. DuPont thanks the stars of this evening's performance, Lloyd Nolan and Warner Baxter, for their part in recreating for Americans of today this picture from the past. A picture that points out the necessity for giving, saving, working, and the supporting of our armed forces until final victory is ours. And now here are the stars of this evening's cavalcade, Warner Baxter and Lloyd Nolan.
Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Warner Baxter and myself. We both feel that tonight's play is of real importance to every American. That wars can be lost at home, too. Soldiers aren't enough. And a timely warning, too, Lloyd. In these days when we're likely to be over-optimistic, you know, history can repeat itself. Now, let's not almost lose this war. By failing to support our men at the front, let's, let's back them up in every possible way with, well, with our giving and with letters, uh, with war buying and bond buying, and most of all, by production at home for those at the front. The Cavalcade of America will bring you one of Hollywood's top flight stars, Brian Donlevy, in a role tailor-made for his brilliant portrayal of a man of action, deep emotion, and quiet humor. Our play, Navy Doctor, is a dramatic close-up of the medical corps in action against the background of one of the great naval battles of the war, and is based on the actual personal experiences of Commander Charles F. Flower, Medical Corps, United States Navy. DuPont invites you to join Cavalcade's audience again next Monday evening when Brian Donlevy will be starred in Navy Doctor, a story of a struggle between life and death aboard a doomed United States cruiser in the Battle of the Solomons. Tonight's play was adapted by Milton Wayne from Carl Van Doren's book, Mutiny in January, published by Viking Press. Tonight's musical score was composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. This is James Bannon sending best wishes from Cavalcade sponsor, the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware. This is the National Broadcasting Company.